hello and welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. So I'm delighted to be joined once again by Stanley Lee and Sean Mahoney of NetSwitch. Hey James. Hey James. Good to be back. So today's <laughs> topic, the topic for this, this episode is it's an oldie but oh. goldie. but it's important one to revisit because there's been a lot in the news recently about ransomware where can we start where do i the question for you guys is there's so much in the news about ransomware attacks how do we know what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to if any of it as business owners Wow. Yeah, let me just uh, jump start on this to, to quote some facts, right? Back in the 2020, that the ransomware case has spiked 150%. The price on the average of ransomware almost double. And the first thing that I looked at that news is, oh my gosh, it's okay. Now, what are we doing in my cybersecurity? Even though we are a cybersecurity company, <laughs> what can we improve? What can we look at? And which stone I have not unturned to look at our own cybersecurity? And even including, do we have enough cybersecurity insurance for yeah. you know in case something like that happens? So that's the first thing that I looked at. And then, of course, then adding the recent seminars that Sean and I and my team keep you know, attending and listening and, of course, buying the books that I shouldn't be buying, reading about cybersecurity. <laughs> it is scary. And, and yeah, to be recovering. honest, and, and James, we were talking about it just before we start recording. It's okay. Do we go find a hole somewhere to hide? And actually, I did take a camping trip just to digest this. And no cell phone, no coverage, <laughs> just to hide for a couple of days, right? Yeah, it is a I, a very concerned. And even though to have a discussion with the CIS, Center of Internet Security, and, and discussing about the SMBs, they have, of course, they lack of the budget, expertise, and the resources, time, and all of that to deal with cybersecurity. You know, as a community, and they are nonprofit organization, have been around for 20 years. For our audience that don't know this organization, highly recommended to check out the CIS Center of Internet Security. This organizations and what they do is they providing the benchmark for a lot of IT system, and they have tools to measure against the benchmarks. And then that tied into the oldies and goldies of the ransomware, at least that their cyber hygiene that needs to be taken care of and the everyday things that we needed to do to start to increasing the cyber security posture. And the first thing that you need to do is look at the cyber hygiene. And that's what they do as a benchmarking. And they are tools, automations, and that's what we keep pushing. And um, now we are discussing how can we find open source tools to help out to increase the cyber hygiene for most of the SMBs. I know it's a long thought process, but it is uh, something that we all have to deal with it and including the ransomware happening more often now on the mobile phone, Windows, Android, and iOS is not going to escape from it. They have a very large market shares in the world. And that has been on the rise. And also reading in some of the technicality, those deploy kits selling on the dark web now has come down to $50 for the deploy kits. So anybody can write malware to go hijack and ask them for ransomware. 
And that's just the starting point. And then the solar wind, the Microsoft, and adding on top of the fuel, adding fire on top, of, adding fuel on top of the fire. And then that leads into Sean's going to talk about the the state attack. <laughs> that's another big topic. So yeah, that's why I need to take a break and hide some hide at the campsite. Sean, you want to talk share yeah, more about your yeah that part so of this story. you know you and I are involved with different organizations related to law enforcement and cybersecurity and so in in a conversation last week with Infraguard it was related to the maritime industry but it touched on these nation state attacks and the purpose of these attacks is that you're not seeing the data being used for financial gain but it's really more about just collecting large masses of data and how that's going to be used. It's being used to build artificial intelligence, build tools to figure out how to do things better. Same reason Amazon and Google are using Home and Lexus. So they collect data. They listen to conversation, listen to speech pattern. They figure out how to do things, make things easier for you at home and work and everything else you do in your normal life. Nation states are doing it, figure out how to carry out technological attacks and China's messing around with India, be able to shut down the entire electrical grid in parts of India because they didn't like what India was saying. So they shut down their power grid. The attack on solar winds was sitting there collecting data and that was getting into the supply chain to be able to disrupt things, see how things are connected. The Microsoft Exchange attack was really about data collection experience. The Equifax was about data collection. Marriott was about data collection. So as they build these things, they make bigger, better tools to attack their adversaries. We happen to be adversaries regardless of what the politicians say sometimes. And right now the US government is saying that Russia and China are adversaries and significant adversaries. And this is only becoming more prevalent in the digital space. The other thing was uh, this morning was with the Center for Strategic International Studies, what do we do? How do we respond? And that's all about nation states. So as a small business owner, I'm sitting here going, well, well, what does this all mean to me? Well, the scope of things, probably not a whole lot. And your day-to-day life is not going to be a whole lot. But the things that they develop, particularly Russia, is that they do use proxies. They use groups that know how to attack, and they use them as part of the government to carry out things where the government doesn't want their fingerprints on it. So when they do that, they have all these nation-state tools, and it's like, hey, (laughs) I did what the nation wanted me to do. I can got a little bit of free time. Let's go see if I can do this. And so they end up doing it for nefarious acts uh, to the group's personal gain rather than the nation's gain because they've already done that. And so where does that leave us? It leaves attack groups with the tools of nation states. They learn things. Even if they're not doing stuff, they go away and they know certain things now. And so in the recent case, Acer was just – Ransomed. Acer is owns Texas Instruments. They own Gateway Technologies. They own a bunch of other technological companies. But people know Acer as monitors and computers. They were just ransomed for fifty million dollars. Small business. Ah, they could probably afford it. But the average ransomware 
cost now is $170,000. It's not $500 anymore. It's not $1,000 anymore. It's $170. That's the average. That's just the ransom. That's not the cybersecurity team to come and clean up your networks. That's not the cybersecurity, the incident response team to clean your network after the bad guys have been in there. That is just the ransom to get your stuff back. If you get your stuff back, and as Stanley pointed out, you can go buy these kits on the dark web. You can hire people. As the costs go down, you get cheaper cost, cheaper quality of capabilities, cheaper quality of decryption tools as well. So while they may be able to lock your stuff up, the decryption tools may not work. So for the small business owner, what does that mean? It means you got to be able to protect your stuff. These things can go on around you. They can talk about nation states. They can make the big news uh, about nation state attacks. China attacking the U.S., attacking India, Russia attacking the U.S., attacking somebody, attacking Iran. What does that mean to us? Nothing. But it does mean something if somebody sends an email to one of your employees or yourself and you click on a link inadvertently because you thought it was legitimate. And your whole system's locked up. Your data is locked up. $170,000 is going to take down a business. 70% of the time, it takes down small and mid-sized businesses within six months. It's about thinking about where is your... Think smaller. So if you think about if I'm a dental practice, if I'm a law office... I have a small practice. It's me. I have a handful of active clients. I have hundreds of non-regular clients, and I have information about them. I have personal information about them. I have things about their cases. I have things that relate to client attorney privilege, and those sort of things are exposed now. Now, if I'm attacked with ransomware, somebody has my data. If I need to get my data back, I got to pay the ransom. If I don't pay the ransom, they're likely to expose all of my data to somebody. And what's that going to do? If I'm a small startup company with a great idea, and I know the medical industry is going to go nuts over this, I've got intellectual property tied up in all this, in all my network. That's at risk. Oh, dental practice, you've got patients. I use a SaaS. That's fine. But if I still get into your network, I can still see what your reception desk is entering his login and password into your SaaS. And now you've just exposed the SaaS to attackers. They can get in and get everything else in the SaaS and they can find their way through the SaaS that you're using for your dental practice. So this whole thing with solar winds, this whole supply chain, hopefully, although I doubt it, brings into clearer focus the risk that businesses pose to each other in a supply chain. We rely upon each other. James, we work with you. And what if you're attacked? Well, we're at risk. We work with an insurance company and they work with businesses all over the place. If they're attacked, those businesses are at risk. And we're keenly aware about that. But that's us. Now, fortunately, our client in the insurance industry, they're aware about it too. And it's very important to them that they are a good partner not only to the big insurance companies that they represent, but also the clients that they insure, that it's they understand their position in the ecosystem that they live within, and they're trying to protect their position. They're trying to protect everybody around them. It's no difference than everybody wearing masks during COVID. You do it not only to protect yourself, but everybody around you. So 
Those are the things the small businesses can take from these big stories about nation state attacks, big companies, corporate attacks. Boil it down. Make it simple. So we haven't talked about this, but I want to get your opinion. So uh, these big nation state attacks, yeah. again, typical small business owners think it's not relevant for them. But, and, and you talk about foreign um, actors getting access to your the key logging, so recording keystrokes on your computer through the SaaS that they use. Yep. And yet, the, who, the, who is the biggest siphoner of key logging data? Probably in the United States today is probably Microsoft, right? Because <laughs> Windows 10 has a key logging facility switched on. They admitted it. It was switched on, but initially it was for testing purposes. Then they admitted it's just kept it on. It's just there. Now you can go in and turn it off if you know where to go, apparently. Yeah. And yet, but yet in real time, they admit that everything that you say, voice, I'll, typing I'll be, into Windows I'll be 10. I'll right is, back. Yeah. So isn't it interesting to note that even people, organizations, companies you trust are still taking your data and you probably don't realize it? Yeah, it goes to the bigger thing of this whole thing about privacy and data privacy is companies that you trust with your data should not have you need to opt out. They should make it you need to opt in to share this stuff, not automatically by default, unknown, unbeknownst to you, unless you read the 45 pages of C&Cs, terms and conditions, that you're automatically opted in. So yeah, T-Mobile's doing, this, doing the same thing to their subscribers this coming month. Well, you're Facebook, automatically going to be Facebook. opted in. Yeah. But T-Mobile's, you're automatically opting in to your data for them to push ads to you when you're using their products or you're on browsers. So they're selling your data. You have to opt out. Other big subscriber telecom companies automatically have you opted out. You have to opt in. So I guess the point for me, again, as a simple small business owner would be your data is already right now going all over the place without you realizing whether it's- In a lot of cases it is. Your, yeah, that's right. By companies you trust, hopefully not by people that you don't that are breaking into your network, but nevertheless, it's still, you have data risk so I guess you need to have built-in failovers and systems and processes to recognize warning signs that data is being used in some way, in a nefarious way against you. Would that yeah, be fair? and James, and going back into what Sean is talking about, that now the nation states or the you know cyber criminals, they don't need to attack you directly. They just need to attack the supply chain. Who has the biggest data? or who has the biggest financial asset. However, where are they starting? You got to think about it. The starting point is at you. Okay, if I can hack into your computer, stay there. Now the zero days is staying there for nine months in average in your network. You don't know anything about it. And it just stay in your computer. That doesn't have to be your network. It just stay in your computer. But you are logging in into massive amount of data. You're going into Microsoft, you're going into Apple, you're going into any uh, Facebook tools. And now they just need to slowly chip that supply chain away, starting from you or multiple of individuals, a big group of individuals. 
And now they're going to look at the software code, exploiting, reading between the lines, literally using automations process, AI to read and look for this type of gaps, look for a password that is still at <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six password. <laughs> Any way that they can find through you as an individual to get a bigger and bigger group of botnet attacking machines. And that's how they can penetrate into the larger target. Now, don't, it's not just using you as a tool to get through to the bigger target, but if they need money, they can always switch on into the ransomware and you will be part of the victim because they stay there for nine months period of the time in average before you find it, before the antivirus would pick it up as a malware situation, nine months. They could do a lot of things within nine months. So and you that's, where it, that's where the whole supply chain, what Sean has mentioned, and it is starting from individual. I got it. Sorry, Sean. I was just going to say that you mentioned malware. And again, another article I was reading that on the Mac side of things, there was the amount of malware released on Mac desktops that was discovered in 2020 is the equivalent to the previous eight years beforehand. So this is an explosion in malware across all desktops, all platforms, operating yep. systems, mobile desktop, whatever. It's everywhere. Yep. And so way more than we think, way more than we believe. Yeah, I'd like yep. to look at it as economic 101. It's supply and demand. When they have more machine in the Mac environment being the supplied and they continue to demand for financial gains, for data gains or whatever. But in the Mac machine, because of the COVID, everybody stays home and they're going to get a Mac machine because it's easier to use. They believe it's going to be malware free in that process. That's when everybody's looking into getting a Mac machine. And of course, when you have more supply in that direction, the criminal is going to target that as well. Unfortunately, a lot of school districts in the US have worked with Apple to put Macs in the kids' hands. So you have a lot, of, a lot more Mac users that are minors underage in school using this not only for school, but they use it for personal stuff at home. They watch videos all day on it. And while the schools say it's monitored, it is to some extent, they are prohibited from downloading things, but it's still a lot of exposure, a lot of vulnerability to what kids are using. I, I guess, again, the lessons that I take away, again, and what I work with when I work with my clients, and I'm not a cybersecurity consultant, but I'm still educating people I work with about best practices and principles is, using unique passwords per application and using a password manager. And typically the people I work with, one out of 10 are doing that until I come along and I start to educate them and encourage more to do, but there's resistance. It's still so few people use a password manager to have unique passwords for each application. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it, and it, a lot and... of people think it's inconvenient. I think that's the normal human yes. being is to you know ask them to change their normal behavior to to do something that changing their behavior, which is very hard, as we all know. But as I keep mentioning, like you said, when I try to educate the people, and I said, just think of the consequences, just like everything else. Yeah, it might be convenient for you not to use the password manager, or actually now I'm moving on to the MFA. I don't even tell people to use password. I say use MFA. It's so much more convenient. And yeah, you got to have your cell phone with you. But who doesn't nowadays? It's more important than the wallet on your ID. You carry your phone. Entering that six-digit password, it, the six-digit code plus the password, is the, it's the only way to go if you want to start defending your digital assets. And of course, changing behavior is tough. But what is the consequences? Right. Yeah. You, you, as an individual or some small business owner, I got I heard that all the time. The, the 10 myth that I can name it. People can say, oh, I'm too small for target. I have nothing to steal. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm there are all kinds of reason behind it. Those myths. And now it's not. You are just a number. Sorry. <laughs> it's not the targeting. You are just part of the supply chain. Everybody yeah. is. Everybody, in, including the kids like Sean is talking about. So that is the part that we need to start changing our mentality. The consequences of losing that data. Yes, you may not care today because you think you're small. But in some day, you, you might have videos and I get ransomware. Oh, I recorded you did bad stuff and now give me a thousand dollar. So you don't even know what is real. Is that true or not? You cannot. How can you think back? Maybe two years ago, you might have done something bad or you might never have done some, anything bad. First of all, I, of course, you try to avoid doing silly things in front of the camera. Now you don't know who's watching and the hackers going around. People can turn it on. <laughs> As we're the doing time. a recording. So do yeah, and do the recording. <laughs> so you, you be, become more aware. The sensitive awareness, the sensitivity awareness, you have to bring, up, bring that in the higher level. And then at the same time, that you got to think about the consequences. Once you think about the consequences, you your immediate situational awareness is going to be heightened up, and it becomes a natural process. But just like you walk into a big crowd when you're traveling, you you naturally you want to make sure your wallet, your passport is in your pocket all the time. It's just as that. It, you get trained over time. But the thing is, if you have a mental block and close your mindset about this, then that's where the problem rises. And as I said, it's just like typical, your police neighborhood police is going to tell you if you keep your door locked, then you can avoid being part of the victim. And that's just it. Absolutely. Touch on a couple things real quick. James, you were talking about tools and being a risk. Many tools that are free, they have to collect data about you to be able to sell it, to pay for what you're using. You're not paying for it, so they got to make money somehow. Touching on a little bit on what Stanley was talking about with passwords, Microsoft Edge and Google Chrome both offer to save your password. And However, so those Firefox, are free. Marcella, Firefox free but the way that chrome operates the way that edge operates in because it's now built on chromium 
is where the data, your password information is stored and how it's accessed and how it's used to save your password information, your login and password. Having done some research on it, it's not safe. It's free, but it's not safe. And how that's done, it's convenient, but again, not safe. So there are other tools out there. There are password management tools out there. And you can look them up, search for them, do some research on some are paid, some are free. The ones that are paid are at least going to be able to put the tools in place to make sure the information is secure, your data is secure, how it's managed, how it's secured, you're paying for it. The ones that are free, you got to weigh the convenience versus the free and what the risk is to you. I've recently moved to a paid version. I wasn't happy about it. I've gone kicking and screaming. I've used the Google Chrome password manager for the longest time. And so I started doing research on it and I've moved away from that. So as a small business owner, encourage your employees to use a password manager, make them complex, use the offer that the tool, the password manager uses to create a password for you and have it save it. It's there. It can be used across multiple devices, laptops, computers, phones, tablets, one tool across multiple devices is the best way to do this, especially with everybody working from home nowadays. And turn on so, MFA. And turn on MFA. And that leads into a whole different conversation about whether MFA should be using SMS or using an authenticator. And that's a whole different conversation for another day, but we'll come back to that at some point. That would be a great topic to discuss because MFA is becoming everywhere. We, we, we're having to use it everywhere. So it, it is not inherently secure, as you said, by using insecure communications like SMS. So yeah, right now, everybody's, a lot of companies are still using SMS. And so I look at my messaging app and I have more messages with MFA codes than, than I do conversations going on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I hear you, gentlemen. So let's come back to that another time. I think we should yep. wrap up. It's been a great conversation today. So any final thoughts before we do wrap up, Stanley or Sean? I'm going to go stop reading about these hacks because it's making me more nervous. <laughs> it's going to give me more yeah. gray hair than I should have at my age. Yeah, I, I, I think, think we can all... Yeah, my, my final is going back into have an open mind and just continue to do it a little bit at a time. And it is an educational process to everybody and we all have to get used to it. But this is the modern days and these are something that it exploded because if we, the way that we're using mobile device and internet and now we live in it, we rely on it. And But go back into it, the internet was not built for this purpose. It was built for the defense system. So mm -hmm. it was not built for cybersecurity attacks and things like that. So Absolutely. that's why as an individual, everybody needs to be, bring up the situational awareness and be more vigilant and just practice it and practice it and practice it. Uh, it's a great place to end. So thank you, Stanley. Thank you, Sean. Another great discussion. Great. Thanks, guys. Look forward to the next one. You got it.